Judge Jackson has a marvelous legal education. She has a vast practical experience, something I think is a, is a real plus. I will vote no. I can say definitively that I like her. I think she's a good person, but I cannot support her. She seems like a wonderful human being. She comes with some impressive qualifications academically and professionally. I will vote no. And indeed, she has a very impressive resume. I am certainly going to vote no. I mean, she's the realization of an American dream. So. Uh, I will not be supporting her nomination. I enjoyed the opportunity to meet her family. They obviously are and should be proud of her achievements. I can't support her nomination. Very gifted uh, person. She's fought hard to be where she's at in life. I'll vote no. I'm the first, first time I've ever voted against any Supreme Court nominee. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Beth. And I'm Stanley. And you're listening to Mixed Politics. Welcome to episode 30. It is 30? Yes, it is. So we're not we're not gonna count like a double 29, but No. Okay. No, episode 30. <laughs> so we we're we're almost over the hill. Yeah, getting there. <laughs> yeah. What are you drinking tonight? Um, I am drinking a combination of fruits and rum. Went back to my old faithful. Um, there is guava, there's mango, there's strawberry, there's kiwi, and rum. So, and a lot of rum. Okay. <laughs> no lime juice today. Yes, yeah. I noticed that. The lime juice would just make, it just, it would just take from it instead of adding to this time. Conflicting. Yeah. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking pina colada flavored hard seltzer with some Malibu. So. Oh, it's a rum. Okay, it's a rum night. Mm-hmm, it is. R- real rum and fun rum. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about tonight, Beth? What, Again. Is, what is going on with Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson? Exactly, Justice. Justice. Su- Supreme Court Justice Katanji yes. Brown-Jackson. <laughs> because she definitely is that currently. Yeah, in the, in the time between when we first filmed this and when we're filming this today... She has become a justice on the Supreme Court. Yes. But we don't want to miss out on all of the things that we have to say about this process that she's been through. Yeah, that we had to say. Yes. So it's 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 really what went on with her confirmation right. hearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, then what is really going on with her. Yeah. What is going on with her is she has an awesome job mm-hmm. the rest of her life mm-hmm. or as long as she chooses to have it. Mm-hmm. And she is the most qualified person to ever sit on the Supreme Court. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. because of her tenure as a judge. Uh, more than just that, it's her diversity in tenure and ah. what she's done throughout her career. I see. So yeah, sounds good. But before we get into that, yes, we're going to start with the history, the history. of confirmation hearings, or just confirmation hearings in general, but definitely mm-hmm. the history, the awesome, tainted, terrible history of confirmation hearings. Mm-hmm. Um, first, we'd like to start by saying that confirmation hearings are not constitutional. No. Yeah. And that's that's a thing on this show where we debunk <laughs> whether something is constitutional or not. Because we know right. some people out there, you know, is this in the Constitution? So, no, it's not. No. It is not. No, it's not. It's not a part of the Constitution. Um, the only thing that is a part of the Constitution regarding Supreme Court justices is that they sh- the vacancy, if one becomes available, um, should be filled by the sitting president. The nomination should be, should be done by the sitting president. Um, and then Congress now gets to decide if they approve this person or disapprove this person. The way that they go about approving or disproving is not in the Constitution. It could literally be a foot race between three <laughs> nominees. Right. And whoever crossed the finish line first is the new SCOTUS. Um, it could be a coin flip. It could be whatever. But for the longest time, it had always been the same way things are done in Congress or most where most things are done in Congress. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm-hmm. You get more thumbs up than thumbs down, then you win. And that's it. Or in the case of Merrick Garland, you never even get a thumbs up. Yeah. Or you never even get to sit down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that's that's a whole other episode that guy and how but i'm so happy for him though. i know he's attorney general he's now. attorney general he's just like you don't want me to be justice cool i'll get four years of this at least mm-hmm. so all right so confirmation hearings um congress gets to decide after the president nominates someone mm-hmm. to uh be the supreme court justice or the next supreme court justice um however this changed and we started having hearings in 1916. During the Wilson administration. The Wilson administration. Um, Justice Lamar had passed away. Um, Never heard of him. I know. <laughs> that was his Thanks. name. He passed away. So there was a vacancy. Um, and President Wilson nominated uh, a man born in Kentucky, red-blooded American, was a lawyer, was a Harvard scholar and professor, uh, had written many pieces, had been a successful lawyer in his time. Um, and the reason why I'm giving you a, a summary of his qualifications is because in the Constitution, there is nothing that outlines what your qualifications should be. Correct. You could literally be a homeless person off the street. If the president nominates you and you get enough thumbs up, you are now a Supreme Court justice. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be a clerk of court. You don't have to be a judge. You don't have to be anything. Just nominated and approved. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, but this guy was a lawyer. Um, and for the first time, he, you know, it was time for them to do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, hold on now. We got to talk about this guy. We got to hear arguments for and against. We got we to gotta hear testimony and invite people to come in and speak on or against his behalf. Why? Why do you think that was? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it's so terrible. So I don't like feel bad about it. But it's fucking terrible. It is because he was the first Jewish nominee for the Supreme Court Justice of the United States. And his name was Louis Brandeis. And because he was Jewish, everything changed. We now had to listen to arguments for why this man should be the next Supreme Court justice or why he shouldn't be. That to me is absurd. Prior to that, never happened. Right. We just They just threw out a name and then it was just like, hey, you guys like this dude or not? Right. But it was always white, Christian, Protestant mm-hmm. males. Mm-hmm. And not even like, and a bunch of them weren't even lawyers. They were just, they just, some of them just had money. Some of them were friends with the president. Some of them wanted the job. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, it's whatever. But now, this guy, born and raised in America, a Harvard scholar, mm-hmm. um, and they were just like, hmm, we got to talk about this. 1916. So that was the very first confirmation hearing. Louis Brandeis. And, and the fact that nobody even questions. <laughs> today why it is that we have these hearings in the first place because they have become such a circus they have become yeah. such a a televised event that really does not provide any value to the american people getting to know who that person is yeah i can go google somebody i don't have to have them testifying in front of congress and answering questions and answering questions especially when the line of questioning is absolutely which ridiculous. we will get to yeah so at Louis' um, confirmation hearing, there were so much testimony that it, his confirmation hearing took four months. Four months? Yes. Oh my God. Four months. Sometimes, the funny part though about his confirmation hearing is it took four months. Sometimes he was there. Sometimes he wasn't. He like wasn't he, even there. Yeah, because like he had other shit to do. Like he had regular life stuff, you know? Or I yeah. assume. Um, but so let, let me give you an example of some of the testimony. Um, former president of the United States, William Taft, <laughs> said, and I quote, I'm quoting this, said he's a muckraker. Sorry, muckraker. Mm-hmm. Muckraker. An emotionalist for his own purposes, a socialist prompted by jealousy, a hypocrite, a man of infinite cunning, of great tenacity and purpose, and in my judgment, of much power for evil. What? 
prior to this, no one had anything bad to say about this man. But a Jewish person shows up. And then suddenly, and oh, then, <laughs> we can't have this. All right. Oh, my God. Um, the Boston Globe de- described him as a radical, a theorist, impractical, with strong socialist tendencies. The New York Times warned that he would be, quote, a contentious member of the court. Um, I think before I told you the, um, the president of Harvard wrote yes. a letter to Congress. <laughs> you did mention that. Um, and I, I, I misquoted his name. His name was not Finkelstein. It was Finkelman. Okay. Finkel, Finkel. Um, and he wrote a letter and it said, the, the nomination of this man, one of the things, one of, the nomination of this man would be terrible because one of the things people, people say about him is that he is, quote, too greedy and he's made too much money as a lawyer because Brandeis becomes very early on an extremely successful lawyer. Okay. <laughs> so suddenly the Republicans are punishing people's success. You know, the whole we love capitalism thing has its limits, apparently. And that's if Jewish people are you reaping got, the benefits of capitalism. You have to be the right kind of white. You can't exactly be, you can't be that white. Now, that last part that I read, it's very early on an extremely successful lawyer, is what is known as coded language. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's completely coded because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way... Jewish people have been portrayed in the history of America. Stereotype. Is literally what they've been skirting around here in all of their criticisms of his nomination. Mm-hmm. And it finally boiled down to where somebody was just like, he's made too much money. Is there such a thing? I, I, who do you know besides Jeff Bezos that has ever made too much money? <laughs> in I, Doing their actual job. Not just like, I'm an investor and I've amassed wealth like i'm a lawyer and i've made too much money as a lawyer already so well i would say that it's donald trump but he's not really rich so you know there's that he hasn't made enough money because he has none (laughs) all right so after 1916 the next controversial time we had a uh confirmation hearing was in 1967 uh justice thurgood marshall oh and i'd like to say that louis brandeis did become the he was confirmed. He was confirmed. He, he was, was the first Jewish Supreme Court justice. Justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Thurgood Marshall, which would be the first black Supreme Court justice, and in the height of the civil rights, uh, the civil rights oh, the end of the civil rights movement, 1967. Yeah. No, it was still in the thick of it in because the of it. in the, in 68 was when um, Bobby Kennedy got shot. Right, and so, okay. I mean, yes, it was still very much in the thick of yeah. The the, uh, the tension of the civil rights movement. So his nomination, uh, confirmation hearing was very contentious as well because... Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Sorry, <laughs> could you say that again? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what triggered her. <laughs> you probably pressed the button. No, uh, I didn't. I didn't press the button. So Thurgood Marshall's uh, confirmation hearing was very contentious because it was at the time where... Um, pretty much it was abolitionist versus segregationist yes. in terms of Congress. <laughs> so you had all these white senators from the South who blamed everything that was terrible in America on black people. And then you had everybody else. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, yeah, everybody else. everybody else. And um, their questions were, at the time, there was a lot of uprising a lot of, um, I guess, pushback on the things that were that were terrible for African Americans mm-hmm. in America, and those things became criminal. Like mm-hmm. fighting for your rights became criminal. Mm-hmm. It was now a crime to do this. Yeah, um, to be treated like a person, and so pretty much all of the lines of questioning for Thurgood Marshall was along the lines of, "Are you going to be tough on crime?" And it's like, well. A lot of the stuff that you want people to be tough on ain't even criminal. Like, people mm-hmm. marching in the streets and having a rally. Like, right, right. the fuck is wrong with you? Exactly. And so, you know, he did his best, just like Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been or, or did um, during her hearing. And she's just like, 
none of those things that you're asking me about is a part of my job as mm-hmm. a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. So not really answering these. Um, the In one instance, Senator John McClellan, an Arkansas Democrat at the time, Democrat, not a Republican. But at the time, you have to remember, Democrats were now what the Republicans they were tra- are. <laughs> well, they were transitioning. transitioning fighting yes. with the Dixiecrats. And- yes. Okay. He says, I know there's a crisis in this country, a crime crisis. And I know the philosophy of the Supreme Court, one way or the other, on these vital issues is going to be of untold consequences and has already been, in my judgment, of serious consequences to the crime situation. Like, the okay. Supreme Court justice's job is not to stop crime. That's the police. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> what? And this is what drove me crazy during the last several Supreme Court justice hearings, not just the one that we had recently seen, but yeah. you name it. Anybody who is up for SCOTUS justice, the line of questioning seems to indicate whether a person was tough enough on crime when we should never want a judge sitting on a bench to be handing down sentences that are for retribution. The judge is supposed to be impartial. The judge is supposed to follow sentencing guidelines. The judge is supposed to be abiding by the facts in the case. And and and, and, and ultimately following precedent if there was one set before. Right. And so when you have these people who are in these hearings saying things like, you weren't tough enough, I'm sorry. What Do you want an activist justice or do you not? Do you want to have due process or do you not? Do you want authoritarianism or do you want democracy yeah. and do you want a fair judicial process? You can't have them both. You touch on a very good point. Do you want an activist judge? Because the GOP specifically, their tactic in this confirmation hearing was to paint her as an, an activist. Right. And to be honest and to the disappointment of most of the black people in this country, I'm here to remind you, maybe you didn't know. SCOTUS, Ketanji Brown Jackson, is not and has never been an activist. No. So if you're looking for somebody who's going to come in and, eh, no. No. She has clearly let you know that she is going to be a, a judge to the letter of the law. The laws written 100 and 200 years ago mm-hmm. by slave owners and white supremacists and sexists and etc etc and she has no problem whatsoever handing down judgment according to what this was she's Mm -hmm. not about she has made it so clear that Mm -hmm. i ain't trying to change the law i just want this job Mm -hmm. and i want everybody to understand that she is not female mlk up there no it's not her job not her job yeah and i think i do find it kind of ironic that the gop doesn't like judicial overreach but they sure as fuck were criticizing her for, for not, not going outside of the judicial, the sentencing guidelines and saying you yeah. weren't sentencing them hard enough. Wouldn't that be judicial overreach yeah. to go outside of the, the sentencing guidelines? Well, that's the catch-22. It's yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't. So it's like, I don't... This is the GOP showing you, you who they really are. and You better believe them. You can't please them. Mm-mm. So in 2009, the first Latina... Uh, SCOTUS nominee was Sonia Sotomayor mm-hmm. and she's 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 been wonderful she's been great but her nomination was also very contentious same deal again and I notice I, I know that you're noticing a pattern anytime somebody who's not the mold comes in then it's a huge deal and, um, and what would that mold be the, 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 the Protestant white male Yes. You know, rich guy. Yes. Um, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Now, when she was being questioned and had testimony brought up about her, apparently they couldn't find anything much. So this is what they they hedged their bets on. Um, That she had spoken at a university commencement speech prior to this confirmation hearing. And she she had said about herself that she's a wise Latina. Mm-hmm. And paraphrasing, what she had said was that being a wise Latina and spending her entire life as this person, 
she would be more apt to say what her experiences are as opposed to somebody else who hasn't lived her experience. And they took that to say that she is going to be on the court advocating for Hispanics and Latin Americans. And and she was just like, what? Like, should... Should I not be proud of my heritage? Like, should I should I have said I'm a dumb Latina? Like, I don't understand. Like, what what do you want? Complete mess. Oh my god! Um, These people are ridiculous. But to be fair, though, um, to Thurgood Marshall, before his confirmation hearing and even after, there has not been one so contentious. Mm not one like his his was racist to the core mm-hmm. like people came up and asked like you know um like actually a, a senator i can't remember his name i'd have to look a senator who was actually a known white supremacist known white supremacist asked him um are you prejudiced against white people in the south like that was a question that was asked of him during his confirmation here. Really? Yeah, Senator James Eastland. Like you can Google this. He's like a known white supremacist that we had seated in Congress asking this man, you know, an abolitionist lawyer, um, about if he's prejudiced against white people in the South. Like even if he was prejudiced against white people, like what could he do? Like stop him from buying ice cream at, at the most? Like what? What power? Did a black man have in 1967? None. What the fuck? Um, I do want to ask, is it true that we haven't had any as contentious, as racist? I, I don't believe that we've had any as racist as Thurgood Marshall's confirmation hearings, but as contentious? Are you, are you, I, I are wanna, you thinking current the, the waste of space? Beer Kavanaugh. Excuse me. Mm. Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, probably think that that was pretty contentious. Beer Kavanaugh. Uh, yeah, he spent a lot of time saying he liked beer, so it just wow. kind of sticks in my mind. So that definitely did happen. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it was that contentious though, because I, I think most people knew he was gonna get in because they had already previously changed the rules so that he he had the votes going in. Pretty much. True. You know, where whereas in nineteen sixty seven there was there was like we had to win over sides. Yeah, that, that I, was a pretty strong feat for them to be able to get that many votes because it was right in the thick of the civil rights movement. And yeah, yeah, Congress was really not evenly. I don't know. I I, I commend them for for getting his nomination through. Yeah, that was yeah pretty powerful. Same with um with with Sotomayor. Now it got yeah. to the point where they, like I said, they didn't have anything on this woman because she's just lived a a, a very she's a stellar chill life. woman. Yeah, um, it says during <laughs> the notes I have here, say I I can't even read this without laughing. Um, she was forced to resign from an exclusive women's club called the Belizean Grove. I remember that Republicans had accused her of participating in an organization that discriminated against men. Now, granted, there were so many different like lodges and Mason and whatever, like and frats that men were a part of, like you were a part of like six different groups as a man. Right. And like they had one. Yeah. <laughs> and so she had to denounce her participation and you know, rescind her membership to be able to and so she's no longer a member. She hasn't been since two thousand nine. But that shows you what Okay, I just have to take a pause here for a moment because yeah. I, I want to say this without getting angry. But that shows you what women have had to do, that we would rather resign our position in a gr- from a group that we enjoy and we find a lot of productivity in and we mm-hmm. find a lot of, of joy in so that we can appease people who are butthurt by that kind of shit. Yeah. And to get a promotion, we have to sacrifice to get a promotion to something. That's you, that's absolutely ridiculous. Do you think Brett Kavanaugh had to sacrifice anything? He, to he didn't sacrifice none of them natty lights. No, no, he no. Did not. And and it's just a lot of times when when in the past, if you mm. just look objectively at our history in, in the United States, there haven't had to have been a lot of sacrifices for those men who have sat on the Supreme Court before yeah. to get that promotion. It's basically like rubber stamp. They, You're in. They're nominated, therefore they must be qualified. Look at what women have had to do to just be 
nominated, yeah. let alone to actually receive the votes to get in, to have her sacrifice anything like that, so it just doesn't make any sense to me, but it shows that this is the shit that we have to put up with yeah. to get promotions. Now, before we, before we, that's, that's the history of, of confirmation hearings mm-hmm. in the United States. Now, before we switch from that, I would just want to point out that I purposely left out someone who had somewhat of an issue. Oh. <laughs> because I, I honestly, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm biased because I don't like him. He deserves his whole ep- own episode, though. God, I hate him so because much. Because there is so much controversy going on with him right now. I know exactly who you're he talking about. He came down sick recently, he... and I was just hoping for the best, for the for the Stop good of the it. country, for the good of the people. Stop it. The nation. I was thinking about Stop us. Stop it. He speaks on behalf of himself, not on behalf yeah. of me. Okay, that's fine. Yes. So, so who, who am I talking about? You're talking about a, a Justice Clarence Thomas. And he, his confirmation hearing was definitely a fiasco. Fiasco. To the nth degree. Yes. And it was not painting many people in a good light, including President Biden, who was a senator right, back then. Right, right. And he... He came off looking like a whole bag of dicks yeah. during that confirmation yeah. or that that Because he was very dis- dismissive Anita of, of Anita Hill, which mm-hmm. um, was the victim of an alleged... Sexual assault situation. Harassment. Ser- sexual harassment. Harassment, not mm-hmm. assault. Correct. Um, by Clarence Thomas mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, they everybody pretty much, all the men pretty much dismissed her. It was just like, you're making this up. You're this guy, why would he want you? Like, Car for the court. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you know, to this very day, he's uh, a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. He survived that. And um, one of the reasons why I don't like him is just this one fact. That up until maybe about three or four years ago, he had never asked a question yes. on the Supreme Court. Like, in a, in like never think... asked a question. And the first question he ever asked wasn't like a probing question. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like could you clarify or whatever? He was just like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Could you repeat that? And, I'm like, and there were gasps in the room because people <laughs> he's, hadn't heard him talk like ever. He spoke? Mm-hmm. This a complete waste of space, which is why I don't like the argument of and I and, but I get it. I get both sides of the argument of the first black X Y Z, right? Sure. Now, granted, he's not the first black um, Scotus, you know, but he at the time what is the only black mm-hmm. person, and it's just like, well, we gotta have one. It's like, okay, fine. If you want to do the whole, we gotta have one. Why that clown? Right. Why pick the worst of Why us, the him? most useless of us? That made no fucking sense to me. If we're going to talk about discrimination, if we're going to talk about quotas, you know, that get the conservatives the token. all... Yes, yeah. That get the conservatives all riled up. Why do you think that they chose Clarence Thomas? Because he, Because there weren't a lot of black Republicans to choose from who had the credentials to sit on the Supreme Court. So if you're talking about whether the person's qualified and you want the most qualified person, Clarence Thomas ain't it. I don't need, not only that, like, if you're going to be the SCOTUS, should you have some form of party affiliation? Shouldn't you be completely nonpartisan, in my opinion? Obviously, oh. it's not constitutional. There's nothing that's written. But wouldn't one assume, like, wouldn't it be better? To not have any party affiliation? Yeah. Correct. Because that, I'll, I'll say what I, what I referred to earlier. I'll say it again. Mm. You should not want a justice sitting on the court. In any capacity, yeah, using it for personal retribution, and so if you have somebody who is affiliated with the party, they got to prove to me that they're not going to be voting based on party affiliation, yeah, or ruling in that in that way, and that's why these confirmation hearings have been told to us that we need to have them because we got to figure out who they are. Well, they need to ask better questions because the questions that they're asking are for show. It's a circus. They provide no value. Yeah. And I and a friend of mine told me today that one of his friends was very upset at the way that these hearings went because because Katanji Brown Jackson was not answering the questions that she was being asked. And I was like, Are you fucking serious? Did you hear the questions that she was asked? Because they were ridiculous. And you know what? I would judge her poorly if she did answer those questions. Hey bruh, answering questions as a nominee. Is not constitutional. There's nothing written anywhere that says you have to answer any of these dumbass questions. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, you don't even have to show up. Right. 
I don't know if like people recognize this. You don't even have to fucking go. Mm-hmm. You can have your own confirmation hearing mm-hmm. in absentia. Right. The fact that she Perfectly was even there. Legal. The fact that she was even there was. It's, I guess good for her, but she didn't have to be there. She didn't. Not only, not only that, like mathematically, she had the votes. Yeah. She had all that because the Republicans changed it from sixty to fifty, to, 50. to to run to ram through their fucking nominees. Yes. So now that you know, one hand is about to wash the other. <laughs> you only need fifty. Well, you need fifty-one votes. So mm-hmm. she had all the Democrat votes plus the tiebreaker from Kamala Harris, right? Right. So she didn't even have to fucking go. She didn't even have to go. This reminds me of Jerry Springer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a documentary just yesterday that was talking about the Jerry Springer talk shows and the Jenny Joneses of the 1990s and how detrimental they could have been to society. To society. <laughs> And this, the trend of violence that was shown on Jerry Springer to get ratings. And so there was a hearing. I don't know if it was a state legislature or federal. I, I can't recall. But he was called to testify mm-hmm. to be questioned about whether his show was causing an increase in violence because it was being portrayed on television. And so people would think that they could just punch each other to get their point across. Jerry Springer didn't have to show up. But he did anyway. And this is what it makes me think of with Tanji Brown Jackson showing up. She didn't have to, but she did. Yeah. And Jerry Springer kind of took the approach. What people forgot, he used to be a politician. So he could play the game. Yeah. And he he's showed... also a clinical psychologist, so he's not an idiot. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. So he showed up to this hearing and made a complete mockery because he was able to play the game better than the politicians who yeah. were questioning him. In fact, Every single question you asked, you can get the answer if you're really interested in having the answer. If you're interested in making a show here and just trying to beat up our show, that's fine. But you know you can get those answers, don't you? Don't you know that you can find out who has that lease, sir? You don't have to be asking me. And if you haven't seen it, Google it. It's fantastic. Now, I'm not a fan of Jerry Springer, Mm -hmm. but I am a fan of him showing up to... just put on full display how dumb it is to be pulled in front of congress to be asked ridiculous questions they they have they have a habit of this ridiculous questions yes and like in it there's just no shame or no blowback to like just somebody to be like hey man you know you sound Mm -hmm. like a fucking moron right you can see this anytime they have somebody from tech come up there to answer questions it's like You don't even know how to don't use even email. Know, right? What right? are you asking? Exactly. I don't... Well, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. I see. Oh, God. So let me, let's talk about the line of questioning. So for those yes. people who were upset that she didn't answer <laughs> the questions, if you're upset about her not answering the questions, y'all need critical thinking skills. Let's talk about the questions. Let me show you how easy it is to portray how dumb they are to ask these questions. Tom Cotton, he's the first one I'm going to pick on. All right. So Tom Cotton was having, he was asking questions about crime in the United States. Yeah. Which has been on the rise. And he was asking. Wait, didn't that drop in COVID though? But we're not in COVID. Okay, we're not. Okay. That was so, two so years ago. So we're going back. Yes. Okay. So we're going back up. So he was asking her questions like, "Do you think that we should have more police officers or fewer police officers?" And she said, "That's a policy question. I can't a- answer that." Okay. Let's let's turn to something more concrete then. Do you know how long the average inmate convicted for a murder serves in prison in America? No, I don't. The answer is seventeen years on average. Is 17 years too long or not long enough for a criminal to spend in prison for murder? Congress has prescribed a number of factors that judges look at when they sentence. It may, in many cases, not be. I, don't, I can't answer in the abstract in the way that you... These are very concrete. Let me stop you right there. He gave her an average of the sentencing. First of all, then, he just and said... And then called it concrete. And then called it concrete. An average is not concrete. Just, we'll start there. Oh, but then, 
he didn't say first-degree murder, second-degree murder, manslaughter. No, no, no. He just said murder. An average is 17 years for murder. There's nothing concrete about any of those data points. This is why the line of questioning is fucking stupid. Yeah, and, and somebody who's as intelligent as she is listening to these, I'm sure she's just sitting there just like, are these people insulting me? Right. These people are insulting me. Of course they were. These people are Because they act like they're the smartest people in the room. <laughs> but me, sitting here in Ohio, I can be like, that's fucking dumb as hell. Yeah. But this is supposed to be, I think maybe Tom Cotton's just a little bit bitter that this woman was smarter than him. He's feeling a little insecure. So he chose the wrong line of questioning for that, though, to prove yeah. the point. So that's one. And then we have Senator Kennedy. Much like any copy, never as good as the original oh, gosh. John Kennedy. <laughs> Senator John Kennedy was talking about a substantive due process. Now, this line of questioning really just threw my brain for a loop because it was dumb on its face. But it actually exposed what I now have figured out about the Republican Party. So go with me on this one. This is a great, this is a great ride. I'm here. He's talking about substantive due process, which, if you're not familiar, is about unenumerated rights in the Constitution. Things that are not mentioned, but we have certain provisions mm -hmm. that, and this is the way that she described it. Substantive due process is about provisions of the Constitution that require interpretation because they don't have a specific text to answer questions. Right. And it dawned on me when I saw this exchange going back and forth between them that, she, that they were talking about the Tenth Amendment, or at least she was talking about the Tenth Amendment. Senator Kennedy was referring to the fact that there are certain things, and he called it certain rights being created. Yeah by the Supreme Court that don't exist in the text of the Constitution. It's not the right so much. Mm. It, it's, it's how the right is created. I mean, don't you think that the values of ordinary Americans and their ability to decide these issues are just as good as those of, a, of, of five members of the Supreme Court? The question and the difficulty is when you have a constitutional scheme of government and you have a constitution that um, does protect certain <coughs> rights, those rights, whatever they are, enumerated or, or not, are um, might be things that the people have disagreed with. That's the tension. That although we have democracy as we do and people vote um, and, and should absolutely, we also have a constitution that protects certain rights against the sort of majority will about those things. And she was trying to say, yes, but there are unenumerated rights that exist because the 10th Amendment says anything not mentioned here is reserved for the states. Yeah. So they're basically acknowledging the founding fathers in the Constitution or acknowledging that there are rights that exists, we're not going to mention them all here. But if we didn't mention it specifically, yeah. then it's reserved for you as citizens and between you and your state government. Because it would be ridiculous to like try to list out every the constitution be a right. thousand pages right. long. And if you're talking about Christians, Christian conservatives, they always say, well, I have rights given to me by God. And that's what the founding fathers apparently were going with. They were just saying, no, we're talking not. about but these freedom, rights that we freedom think. Freedom of the press is not given by God. <laughs> Essentially, they think that if it's not taken away by law, that it's, it's pre-existing. It's yeah. there. Okay. So the Tenth Amendment is acknowledging that. So, in fact, the rights to privacy were already in the Constitution. It just wasn't explicitly stated, but it was reserved within the Tenth Amendment. Yeah. And so this, the Supreme Court over the years have had to address these things, the substantive due process, to say, okay, so... States can't take away the right to privacy just because they don't want people to do this and to do that. The Tenth Amendment reserves the right to do this and that and the other, but clearly we have a gap, so mm -hmm. let's just explicitly state that you have a right to privacy. Then it becomes the Fourteenth Amendment, right? Yeah. So is, Kenner, is Senator Kennedy saying that jurisprudence only exists because of their, the certain rights that are mentioned in the Constitution? And the Supreme Court can't touch anything that's not in the first nine amendments. <laughs> Article three of the Constitution says the Supreme Court shall have jurisdiction over, quote, all cases 
in law and equity arising under this Constitution. So if the Tenth Amendment says that the rights not mentioned here do exist, you just handle them in your state, then he's trying to say that everything that's not mentioned in the first nine, amend nine amendments is unlawful. Is unlawful. And that's not true. Right. And so this is what this is what the, the GOP is basically <coughs> saying. And, and the fact that he says rights are being created. Yeah. It's like, no, rights aren't created. They're being acknowledged. And there's a difference. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court doesn't create rights. Yeah. They acknowledge rights that existed that certain states are trying to take away. I, I saw a similar exchange. I don't know if it was with Kennedy, with her. And she had to like break down like the judiciary and explain to them. Like they, I, one of these, you know, knucklehead senators, excuse me, was asking her about um, sentencing. Like her, their big thing was sentencing of child pornography cases. Right. That was like their one like straw that they could hold on to. Right. Which amounted to nothing because because everyone, they care so much about the babies. Yes. Everyone, like from right-wing conservative media to wherever were saying that no everything that she's sentenced is within sentencing guidelines right. that that you senators made that right. you lawmakers made so she's fine but she had to explain she was just like when these laws were written and the sentencing guidelines were written in terms of like child pornography and whatever at the time, the only media that was used for these things were like photographs or pictures or, you know, magazines or, or books or pamphlets right. or whatever. She's like, there are this no laws on exist. the book for computers, tablets, no. cell phones, you know, things of that nature. And she's like, at that point, it is left up to us as judges to now interpret the law to say, okay, how does this... Because it's hard for you to disseminate something that's in a magazine. Mm -hmm. Like I can let you borrow it, and that's one person. Right. But in an email, I can send it to five hundred thousand people in right. the click of a button. Mm -hmm. So now I have to sentence. You know, I have to gauge that saying, okay, here's what the sentence says with this paper magazine versus this guy that's in front of me that's sent so many pictures and whatever electronically. And so she had to explain this to a senator, and at the same time, she's trying to say, say to them. You've this. It's I, what, what did she say? The quote that she said was, Oh, it was to Josh Hawley. She was just like, You know, the judges are doing the work. Unwarranted sentencing disparities is something that the Sentencing Commission has been focused on for a long time in regard to child pornography offenses. All of the offenses are horrible, all of the offenses are egregious. But the guidelines, as you pointed out, are being departed from even with respect to the government's recommendation. The government, in this case and in others, has asked for a sentence that is substantially less than the guideline penalty. And so what I was discussing was that phenomenon, that the guidelines in this area are not doing the work of differentiating defendants as the government itself indicated in this very case. Sentences in these cases include not only prison time, but restraints on computer use, sometimes for decades. Restraints on ability to go near children, sometimes for decades. All of these things judges consider in order to affect what Congress has required, which is a sentence that is sufficient but not greater than necessary. And it was it was kind of like a snide because it was just like, hey, by the way, lawmaking is not our work. Right, exactly. It's, it's your work. Yes. But because you're not doing the work, yes. the judges are doing the work. So she was clapping back, but you had to be up on it to like to get well to done. <laughs> yes. Well done. Um, by the way, well sidestep just for a second, but mm -hmm. this is so important. The GOP needs to be very careful what they're asking for. If they're going to say the judges have to go outside the current sentencing guidelines because maybe the laws need to be, I don't know, revamped a little mm -hmm. bit. And if she's serious about that, that 
we can't handle specific things in the law because they haven't been updated. There's a lot of talk right now about this laptop that supposedly was owned by Hunter Biden. And Rudy Giuliani has been saying that there's child pornography on this laptop. Mm -hmm. And Rudy Giuliani has also admitted to copying the hard drive and sharing it and sharing it with other people. So therefore, Rudy Giuliani has committed a crime by distributing pornography pornography, if it exists and it's and but it's weird though right because it's like it's not like some random fucking joe right rudy giuliani is an actual lawyer yes yes so they need to be real (laughs) fucking careful what they're asking for if you want to go balls to the wall on this whole child pornography thing yeah y'all are going to get yourself in some real heat right there which i agree with you it doesn't exist but they claim that it does, and they're going all out claiming that it does. Well, if that is true, then Rudy Giuliani needs to be in prison right now because it's he has been, distributed the pornography that he says exists It's on been there. almost two years since his laptop, man. Just hurry up or shut up. Show us the copy. I'm just saying. I don't want to see it. No, but I show, show, show me a show picture the, of the actual the, laptop. Show the law enforcement people. Show no. the DOJ. Just show me an actual picture of the laptop. Or the physical laptop yeah. that you have that, that has like the, show it. the engravement. Hunter J. Biden. Right? <laughs> Make sure that it yes. is. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if they're going to go balls to the wall on this, yeah. they're actually, they're they're indicting some of their own people by doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, again, they're showing you who they are. Fucking believe them. They're authoritarian and they're ridiculously stupid. Yeah. Just saying. You definitely oh, had a couple of I have some of the line of questioning that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, you know I like to mention him. I'm going to open the gate with him. <laughs> your boyfriend. Your bestie. Ted Flying Cruz. <laughs> flying, <laughs> flying Ted. Flying Ted. <laughs> flying Ted. With the fucking... God, I hate that man. The old Delta Flyer Miles. In the fucking Sky Miles Lounge, that, getting ready to go to Cancun. Um, he had a line of questioning for Miss Brown, Mrs. Brown. Um, that was, and his, I bet it was riveting. Oh, it was, it was riveting indeed. So, Kitanji Brown Jackson is a board member of the school board um, where her daughters go to school, mm-hmm. and one of apparently there's a book. Um, with uh there's a book a children's book that ted cruz brought in for the questioning and he he literally waved the book around and he was asking her he was asking her do you think that this book is racist (laughs) (laughs) so one she hasn't read the book (laughs) <laughs> she knew what the book was about. She got better things to do than to read that, yeah. some stupid book. About. So he said, "He said, do you agree that this book being taught with kids that babies are racist?" Cruz said um, about the book. Uh, it was called an anti-racist baby. The name of the book is "Anti-Racist Baby" by Ibram Kendi. Um, he also asked her to define. For the record, I love when he does this, like as if as if to say the whole thing isn't fucking on record, right? He's just, she's he's like, she's under oath. Yeah, she's under oath at a confirmation hearing. He's just like, I would need for you to say for me under for the record, like, all right, bro. I don't know if you know, but it, the whole thing's being recorded. The man talks it, like he's chewing his face. Being, I mean, I can't stand the, the way that he asks. The questions. audio is being recorded. It's being video recorded. There's stenographers. <laughs> the fuck you mean for the record, my guy? What do you think we're doing here? <laughs> but he goes for the record. Such an asshole. So he asked her to define critical race theory. She says, and I quote, it is an academic theory that is about the ways in which race interacts with various institutions, providing a standard definition of the concept, which has lately been weaponized, apparently, by conservatives in this culture war. So this is all that, it, that, that they have been doing, just waging this culture war at, yeah. this, at this confirmation hearing. So she follows up, and I love this follow-up. She goes, it doesn't come up in my work as a judge. (laughs) Jesus Christ. 
It's never something that I've studied or relied on. And it wouldn't be something that I would rely on if I were on the Supreme Court. Right? Like, this, come on, my guy. So, she's right about that. And that's what anybody <laughs> should want in a judge or justice. Yeah. Is for them to rule on the facts in the case in front of them. Mm-hmm. And critical race theory is trying to point out that it, systemic racism exists in, to... To, to do the very opposite of what a fair just a justice or judge would yeah. do. Critical race theory says the facts in the case are what they are, yet people are still giving harsher sentences to black people as opposed to white people. So if Katanji Brown Jackson says that doesn't come up in, in my rulings, that's the answer that you should want to hear, which is she's going to give a ruling based on the facts, yeah. not based on the race of the person that's sitting in front of her. And the fact that Ted Cruz is trying to make a mockery of this whole thing and trying to turn this into a circus, yeah, he looks like a damn fool. So Josh Hawley, a, a, a rookie Republican senator from Missouri, had implied that she, had, and we've touched on this before, um, that she's leaning on people who were um, indicted on charges of child pornography, whether having or disseminating or whatever. Um Every fact-checking source, both right-wing, left, middle, whatever, Russian, has proven that that's not true. Every sentence that she's ever given. And actually, she said it in the confirmation hearing. She's like, every case that you're asking me about, those people are currently in jail. There you go. I don't know. What, like, right? you wanted me to give them more jail than the jail right? that they're in? I don't right? understand. Yeah. Again, you don't <laughs> want them to do that. Yeah. She's like, she's like yeah, you're asking me about this sen- this guy. And he's in jail. Where did you want me to put him? Oh, my God. So, um, the I think the New Yorker had said that this is just the latest manifestation of trying to whip up white fear and anxiety. Yes. But again, pointless. Because even if you whipped it up, even if you whipped up white fear and anxiety of having a black woman who, and I quote, is not an activist who don't give a shit about activism on the Supreme Court. If you were to whip up white fear and anxiety... To what avail? Right. Like, are, are, are some of the Democrats now going to go, oh, shit, and not vote for her? She already had the vote. So this is pointless. I don't know what we're doing. This is and, wild to me. Like, And they're trying to, to make her, they're trying to paint her in a way that's like anti-police. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't support the police. She was endorsed by the FOP. And she has police officers in her family. If there's anybody her who... Her own brother. Is yeah, child. exactly. So insane. there's nothing about her yeah. and nothing about her endorsements or her credentials that should even indicate that she has a problem with police or law enforcement to begin <laughs> with. Now, the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous of all of these questions, in my opinion, they were all ridiculous, but the most came from Senator Marsha Blackburn from Missouri. This woman opens her line of questioning by asking, can you provide a definition for the word woman? I'm just going to pause there and just let that sink in. She is a fucking woman. Confirmation hearing for a Supreme Court judge is being asked. Can you provide for me a definition of the word woman? Hang on, I just have to point out. Yeah. Children in Florida schools are not allowed to have this discussion, but Marsha Blackburn is allowed to have it on the Supreme Court nomination here. Just saying. Because they have the Don't Say Gay Bill. Yes. And gender and identity Ohio problems. has one too. Oh, we do? Yes, we do. Awesome. Woo. All right. Had so, to be said. To the question, uh, Jackson replied, I am not a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up on national TV. Boom! I'm not a biologist. The, the fuck you asking me? And the, the funny, you know what the funny thing is? She said I'm not a biologist, but I heard everything else that she didn't say. The fuck you asking me, bitch? You don't have a dictionary? You don't have a dictionary on your phone? You can't What Google. is the point of asking that question? Oh, we know what the point is. The point is to just whip up the whole bullshit about um, trans athletes and, and, and things of that nature competing in sports with girls because that's like a huge deal for Republicans and, and I had a GOP. request for us to talk about that on a podcast uh, well, episode. Well, they, whoever requested it can come talk about it because I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, anyways, so she continues. So Ms. So when she got that answer, I'm not a biologist, um, 
Senator Blackburn said, the fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of this kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Now, don't this just sound like a fucking Karen at a school board meeting? Yes. We are at a SCOTUS confirmation hearing and you are talking about the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Why don't you take this up with the people who do education and not the people who do judgment? What? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna say it again. You do not want any judge or any justice to look at a person sitting in a courtroom and say they're a woman, so I have to treat them differently. Yeah. Fucking no. Never, never, never should you want that in a justice. The kind of question, what does it mean to be a woman? Who the fuck cares? What does it mean to be an American citizen? That's the only thing they should care about. American citizen. Yeah. They're all equal now, under the law. How I know how I know for a fact that this is racist as shit is right here. Marsha Blackburn. Let, first of all, I never heard about Marsha Blackburn before this confirmation. Really? Hearing. I mean She's got a reputation. Okay, well, her reputation must have preceded her if yes. you knew about her. Yes. So she continues her lines of questioning, and I'm gonna read it verbatim. It says you have praised the 1619 Project. 1619 is the year the first slave landed in America, by the Correct. way. You have praised the 1619 Project, which argues the U.S. is a fundamentally racist country. To deny this would be fucking moronic. Don't right. deny this. Right. If you deny this, just turn off the fucking podcast. This ain't for you. Right. Continuing. And you have made clear that you believe judges must consider critical race theory when deciding how to sentence criminal defendants. Blackburn said... Is it your personal hidden agenda to incorporate critical race theory into the legal system? Wait, 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 wait. Is the question that Judge Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson was asked by a senator from Tennessee. Is it your hidden agenda to incorporate critical race theory into the judiciary? Now, one... If I asked this question to my eight-year-old daughter, you know what she would say? If I told you, it wouldn't be hidden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought, too. I fucking told you it wouldn't be hidden. I right. wouldn't. And I'm a judge, so I'm probably smarter than an eight-year-old. Right. The fuck you asking me, man? That's definitely the first thing I thought, too, is that if it's hidden, you wouldn't say it. Aye, aye, but then aye. the second thing is, again... Critical race theory is stating that it's already part of the legal system. Yeah. The point being, when you expose this reality, that we should intend to work against that so that we no longer are inserting race yeah. as a criteria for how you are handed a sentence. What about this do they not understand? It's it's almost as if they can't. They can't get past the fact that her skin is black. Exactly. They, and everything else after that, it just goes out the window. It's just it's just a fucking circus. It, the more they question things like this, the mm. more it exposes them as being hyper focused on people's race. Hyper racist. Yeah. Hyper racist as fuck. They need to stop because again, mm-hmm. the point of the law, the point of due process. Mm-hmm is to make sure that people are handed a sentence that is justified in, that is justified and in line with the crime that they committed and the circumstances of the crime. Yeah. And Tom Cotton tried to do that too with her to say, um, do you think that people will be less likely to commit a crime if they're punished for it, if they know that they'll be punished? And she's like, no. I, I, there's research out there that talks about that, but that's not my job as a judge to... Like, again, what do you want from a justice? Do you want them to be sitting up there and handing down a sentence that says, every time somebody comes in here who's a cocaine addict, I'm just going to give them the 50-year sentence. That's exactly what Lindsey Graham said. And they shouldn't want that. He literally said that at the confirmation hearing. That's an activist judge. He said, if somebody comes in for child pornography, they should get 50 years. And she's just like, 50 years for... Polaroid or for sending it to 50,000 people. That's when she was... Yes. Oh, my God. That, was, so, again, she's he, right to say that she yeah. she just hands the sentence based mm-hmm. on the sentencing guidelines that are written by 
fucking Congress. By the lawmakers. The fact that she has to point out that she's better at doing their job than they are. <laughs> Wait, I love when she pointed out. It's a sad state of affairs. I love when she pointed out. She's like, judges are doing the work. Yes. So for those of you who are sitting here, if you happen to be disagreeing with us and if you're very upset at the things that we're saying right now, I just have to ask you, why do you vote for people who get paid $275,000 a year to do nothing? We're not the fools. We're the ones just pointing out how fucking dumb they are. Dude, I wish You're the one would, voting for them. Nah, you, I don't want to be a Supreme Court judge. You have to sit there in that stupid robe the entire time and listen to dumb arguments. Have you listened to... You can live stream the SCOTUS hearings, yeah, and I have done I have. that quite often. I will be sitting and listening to the arguments. It's fascinating. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. It's fascinating to listen to these cases mm-hmm. because you hear a lot of things that... I mean, some people would say, well, I can't understand what they're... You actually can understand a lot of what they're saying. They yeah. do use a lot of legal jargon, but you really can read between the lines. And, you and a lot, a lot, a lot of times saying. there's not a lot of legal jargon. Like when they're talking to Rudy Depends. Giuliani, ain't no legal jar- jargon whatsoever. Excuse <laughs> me on this. Right. So um, I do want to point out, though, like, I, and just, just to ram home the point, ram home the point, that there are no qualifications to be a Supreme Court justice. No. None whatsoever. Do you just need to, do you even need to be an American citizen? It doesn't say that. Like it says that it said that specifically to be president. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that. It says the president nominates you. It's a good question. I don't think you have to be a U.S. citizen. Yeah, they, there's no. So it's. There was a former president who actually became a Supreme Court justice after he was president. So right. like you can just do whatever. You can do whatever. So I'm not the the thing that I preface that I use that as preface because I want to point out that the other female um, that was recently. Or the other woman, sorry, that was recently nominated and and confirmed to the Supreme Court, had never tried a case, no, never sat on jury selection, no, never handed down a sentence, never no. did that. Like, she, she was a judge, I guess, for all intents and purposes, yeah. but she ain't never did any judge shit. In contrast to this woman, who there's a list of credentials, and you you have some. yes yes. So she went to Harvard Law School. Bang. She was editor of Harvard Law Review. Mm-hmm. She was on the dis- the U.S. District Court in uh, D.C. The Court of Appeals in D.C. She yeah. was the vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Her father was a lawyer, and as you mentioned, her brother is a police officer. Yeah. She studied government at Harvard, so she knows a little thing or two about government <laughs> she was a law clerk under justice stephen Breyer, who just retired and she is now in replacing. the dc court mm-hmm. yes so and and she has she actually was i believe the only person who was a defense attorney at one point and that gives her a, a full just a, a whole, full range yes that's why she's the most qualified person to ever sit on the court because most people don't take that avenue mm-hmm. of being a defense attorney. And that seems to have really pissed off a lot of Republicans because they're like, oh, you defended so-and-so. You defended so-and-so. That's, that's their she fucking does, she, job. She does both sides of the court. But you know what, though? And, and, and to shut them all up, when her last appointment, which was to the, to the D.C. Court of Appeals, right? Mm-hmm. She was, um, she got, she got the yes vote, the thumbs up vote from 27 Republicans. Right. Mm-hmm. So 27, pretty much half of the Republican Senate thought she was, not more than half, because there's 50 of them, right? right? So more than half of the, of the Republican Senate thought she was good enough to be a DC judge. Two years ago. Two years ago. But now, here we are. It's all political. Uh, yeah, yeah. All of it's political. And I want to just... Just press on that one more time. Mm. People like Lindsey Graham are criticizing her for being a defense attorney by saying that she was terrible for having defended people in the court of law. What they are saying to you is that they don't believe certain people should have a defense attorney. They don't believe there are certain people that they don't think should have due process. That is a frightening state of affairs. You should never, ever want to have a politician who is so authoritarian that they think that if you commit a certain crime that you don't deserve a defense attorney because they don't like you. These people should not be sitting in Congress right now. That's all I got to say. As as the clip said at the top of the show where Lizzie Graham said, this is the first time he's ever voted against a Supreme Court nominee. First time in his long-ass tenure as a senator. The first time he's ever voted no on a Supreme Court nominee. Why is that, Lindsay? Yeah. I'll leave that to you people. Beth, tell us how these people can reach us. They can reach us on all major social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on 
Twitter, all that kind of stuff. We will leave the information on the screen here for you. And we are also anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So we would appreciate if you would go subscribe to us, share the podcast, mm -hmm. give us a rating, all of the things. And we did have a couple of trolls commenting on our social media. Oh, my God. We got haters? We got haters. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. I know. But the fun thing is, we don't care if you have good things or bad things to say because engagement is engagement. So, hey, all you haters who are commenting on our stuff, thanks for all, the engagement. All publicity is good publicity. That's right. R. Kelly. <laughs> No. <laughs> Don't ever say his name around me. He said it. Hey. Many people have said it. We are also on Patreon. I'm going to let him tell you about that. Patreon.com slash Mixed Politics is where you can find all the merch, all the ways you can ask us questions and have your questions posed on the podcast and answered on the pod podcast. Uh, you can actually come here and have a drink with us or sit at the bar and bartend. And be a part of our studio audience. We actually do have a studio audience member today. Yes. Want to say hi? Say hi. Hi. Great. <laughs> that just happened. See, be a Patreon member. It'll work out for you. Uh-huh. Um, and um, thanks for sticking it out. Thanks for spending all this time with us. Yes. And hopefully you're still loving it because we yes. still do. We'll do it no matter what, even if you don't watch. If it's just you and me watching our stuff while we're editing, that's okay. We're gonna uh, keep doing it. My kids will get to watch it when, like, in 20 <laughs> years, they'll be like, Daddy did this. And yes. I'm like, Yes, he did. That's right. 